it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Thanks for tuning in to the Sons of UCF Live replay. A reminder, if you want to catch the live show on video, always available on our YouTube page. Just search Sons of UCF. And the Sons of UCF is proud to be sponsored by our friends at Gordon and Partners. Since 1993, Gordon and Partners have been dedicated to the pursuit of justice for those who have been wrongfully injured at no fault of their own. It's important that you get legal advice from somebody you trust. So contact UCF alum Michael Hoffman directly if you have any legal needs or questions. You can visit their website at www.fortheinjured.com or send Michael a text at 407-913-5350. Don't trust just anybody. Trust the best. And trust a fellow knight. Gordon and Partners. For the Injured. It's not just a haircut. It's an experience. Welcome to something you see of live. Good night. Charge on. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Trey Strelko, and welcome into the Sons of UCF Live, joined by Adam and Mike. Good to see you guys this Thursday. Good to be back, Trace. I'm uh, I'm off vacation, a little rusty today, so uh, I'm hoping uh, Mike can carry the show. Yeah, I just told you guys before the show started, I'm I'm ready to go because we didn't even record a, a regular pod on Monday, so I'm all wound up. Yeah, let's. Uh, I want to get your reaction to a quote on social media this week. I believe it was from you, Adam. Quote: I spent an hour in the Gulf of Mexico on a jet ski, and I may return in a full body cast. What's was vacation that hard for you? Yeah, I mean, listen, the Gulf of Mexico, uh, jet ski, that thing was going like, I don't even know how fast, a lot of waves, a lot of a lot of blunt force trauma. I'm not sure what happened. I at one point was near a manatee. Uh, I don't know what happened there. Dolphins everywhere. It was a, it was a, it's a hot mess. I don't have feeling in my fingers just yet. And uh, my left foot may or may not be broken. I saw his wife report that there was an incident with these manatees and dolphins and somebody didn't survive a uh, paddleboard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we did some paddleboarding, tried some paddleboarding. Uh, so we, uh, it was me and my daughter, which is, was not good planning in our parts. I mean, that's like three bills between the two of us on that paddleboard where my wife and my son went. That's like two bills. So we had the much heavier paddleboard. There was a bit of a fall off in manatees nearby. However you call it, I think it spelled horrible. It was just, it was not good. Seems like something. Um, yeah, long live the manatee, but sea cow, it's, it was a disgusting-looking creature. No offense, Peter. <laughs> well, glad to have you back from vacation. Yeah, glad to be back. Um, you know, I, we, uh, we ran the uh, Monster the Barber with Terry Mahajer. Adam, I think I told you this. I, Mike, I'm not sure I told you. I had opportunity to speak with Terry Mahajer at the Charge on Tour Stop uh, on the Space Coast, and I asked him to do one of those testimonials uh, to run, and, and he did it, of course. And then he looked at me, and he goes, didn't I just do one of these with the barber in the chair? <laughs> so it was nice of him to do it again in a different setting. So uh, maybe we'll see that one uh, at a date in the future. We're working so on it, Chase. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. production so staff now, is working on turning all those around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, where are we in the hiring of the production staff since our <laughs> NIL deals have evaporated <laughs> week to week? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the one person on the payroll is now off the payroll, and yeah. uh, there's opportunity here for a production assistant position. I think it's supposed to be me, but <laughs> you never sent me the video. <laughs> I, I usually put those That's things fair. together. If you send me the video, yeah. I'll take care of it. 
<laughs> wow, done deal. All right, done. <laughs> We're still accepting uh, resumes. Uh, you can CC at UCF Mike One. The background check process is a bit lengthy, though, so just be warned. Have your references ready, kids. Well, uh, even in the dog days of summer, there is some news. Uh, charges dropped. 24-7 Sports reporting that domestic battery charge uh, that uh, was against uh, linebacker Terrence Lewis dropped. Of course, you may know Lewis transferred in from Maryland after missing the 2021 season with a knee injury. To that, I say, whew, at the linebacker position, of course, uh, remains to be seen what Coach Gus Malzahn and staff may do in terms of disciplinary action, if any, with the team. Uh, but uh, looks like no charges for him, according to 24-7 Sports. Yeah, I want to hat tip J.P. Gilbert. I think he actually was uh, was perusing some documents, found it first, put it out there, and, and obviously then it got some circulation. I don't know how to feel about this one, Trace. It feels weird celebrating this because we don't know what happened. We don't have a lot of details. Nothing I have no happened. idea how this thing – nothing happened. Didn't apparently. happen. I, I don't know how to feel about it. All I know is we need linebacker depth, and I feel like a – like a bit of a, a turd uh, talking strictly about how this impacts our linebacker depth. But I don't know what happened here. I don't know if this is good news or bad news. I'm not sure what was done. So I'll, I'll pump this back to Mike and just say he can play linebacker. Hopefully he plays it better than uh, that. We've had other people play linebacker. And if, you know, if, if nothing happened, then great, but I don't know how to feel about this. one. Mike, a couple weeks back when this happened, uh, was he innocent until proven guilty or did you, you, you laid out the charges. Uh, you, you were convinced. I mean, in this country, you're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. That when something like this comes out, you always think the worst. That I, I'm sure something happened. I don't know what happened. Maybe it was nothing happened. Internet. But <laughs> I expect there to be disciplinary issues uh, on the on the team. I'm sure he's probably gonna have to sit out the first half of the first game or something. There, there'll be something. You'll have to run some some extra laps or something. I don't know. But uh, it getting dropped is good for us as football fans, right? We get to see our player play. But like Adam said, who knows what the real circumstances are. Again, nothing happened. Perhaps he misses part of that South Carolina State game. I would anticipate we'd see him for Louisville, right? Yeah, nothing happened by Louisville for sure. <laughs> by Louisville, it was all big misunderstanding. Absolutely. And then, uh, again, you're in June and Gus Malzahn still dropping booms. A uh, four-star, a wide receiver from Alabama, Javon Baker, transferring into UCF. I guess that alleviates some concerns, uh, folks, that uh, you know, folks had when Flash uh, Jalen Robinson left the program. I guess some folks were questioning, okay, Ryan O'Keefe, what else do you have there at wide receiver? Do we know, though, that he is eligible, or is that a, a question mark? So best I have it is he committed to Kentucky, but never actually stepped foot on campus. And I think that may be the deciding factor here is whether or not he ever enrolled Right. You can say you know, it's kind of like Seinfeld. You can take all the reservations you want until he shows up on campus. I don't know if it counts. So I don't think he ever actually showed up on Kentucky's campus. So I think he should be eligible under that rule. But again, I'm sure the NCAA will find some stuff out. I was reading through his profile. Here's two things that, that were said about him as he was coming out of high school that caught my attention. This is for 24-7 sports. He is strong handed. We certainly need a few of those guys. And he is confident with the ball in the air, likes to go up and get the ball. We missed like that Marlon Williams type player, right? Who would just fight through traffic to get balls, make sure that he made catches. We didn't see a ton of that last year. I think Brandon Johnson was probably that guy for us with, you know, more speed on the outside. So, you know, if Javon can be that guy, that's a, that's a nice win for us. I know we have Kobe Hudson coming in. Everyone's raving about Jalen Griffin. We obviously know what O'Keefe can do. So if we have somebody who's now maybe more sure-handed, um, we know drops have been an issue with a few of our, our guys throughout the years. So I like hearing that he's strong handed. I don't know what that means. I don't know how you measure that, but I certainly love it on my team. I just can't wait to hear all our fans complain every time on TV. They say the Alabama transfer, Javon <laughs> Baker, right? Because that's going to happen after every catch and definitely after every touchdown. And our fans are going to go nuts about it. But hey, I mean, we needed depth on this receiver. We seem to have filled it with some pretty good SEC players. You know, the best receiver in Auburn. Uh, the best tight end at Florida, and now this kid from Alabama, and, and then you throw in Ole Miss with uh, John Rice Plumley. The whole offense is coming from the SEC basically now. So it, it looks like a good move on paper. Let's see how he does on the field. Well, you said that right there on paper. Remember, what was it we were raving about the five-star wide receiver Jordan Johnson coming in from Notre Dame, and that hasn't exactly panned out so far. Well, papers, 12 games uh, last year, seven catches, 101 yards, one touchdown, played in five games his freshman year. So not a ton of bona fides, at least on paper, but a four-star recruit, you know, Alabama clearly thought he was good enough to, to play for them. He actually played for Alabama in games. Um, so obviously there's talent there. Um, but to Mike's point, once you put feet on field, we'll see what happens.
Yeah, he got a lot of garbage time last year. I think two catches against Miami, that was a blowout game. He played against a little bit of Southern Miss, which I can't imagine that was a close game, and that's where he scored his touchdown. So let's see what he does here with some real live action. You mentioned the SEC talent. How long can Gus Malzahn continue to pull Alabama and Auburn guys and SEC guys, or is that just now going to be part of the culture of UCF? They're competing head-to-head on recruits with these programs. I think it's a complicated question, though, Trace, because you, th- you think about the all these kids, and we talk about it all the time, the four- and five-star guys, they all flock to these five, six schools, right? And after one year, not all of them can play, and you see that that move out after that one year. So I think UCF will always kind of be in that tier of, hey, let's recruit these guys hard out of high school. Let's get in the mix for them. If we don't get them, we get them on the comeback tour after they get there and realize, hey, there's seven other five-star receivers in front of me. So I think it's Gus's strategy. We've seen him do it a bunch of times. We've seen him go head-to-head with Alabama a few times. Um, he got close, uh, obviously, in a couple of, of hat ceremonies. But uh, I think this is his strategy is keep his name in the mix. Let the kids know that, hey, we're still here. We're still a good staff. We're, we support you. Go to Bama. Play the year. Get good strength and conditioning. Basically, it's like a farm system in some respect, right? Good strength and conditioning. Learn a little bit of offense. Sit behind six other five-stars, and we'll see you here when you're a sophomore. He's already familiar with these kids. Remember, this is only his second year recruiting at UCF. So a lot of these kids, I'm sure he was already recruiting while he was with Auburn. So that has to play a big part in it too. And then once we move into the Big 12, hopefully you don't have to worry about those types of things anyway. Well, when this news came out uh, earlier in the week, Mike Farrelly covers recruiting. I follow him on Twitter at Sports. Liked his uh, post on Twitter. He said, the transfer portal isn't loved by everyone, but you know who does love it? UCF. They're one of the schools that have turned the portal into their own version of Amazon. Well, also the fun fact of, of we've had 22 players leave us. And I thought this was interesting, Trey. Seven went to P5 schools, six went to G5 schools, three went to the FCS, and six still in the portal. So you sort of see the the flow in and the flow out of, of the way the transfer portal has worked for UCF. Obviously, I mean, I, I, haven't, I haven't looked at all of the schools, but I've got to think UCF from a a player in player out perspective has got to be one of the top three, four, five schools just in terms of movement and fluctuation from roster to roster, uh, which goes to show a few different things. One, is this an upgrade in talent? Is Gus trying to upgrade different, different talented positions? Who knows? Or, or two, obviously are guys who are at UCF now not getting opportunities because Gus is upgrading. I think it's interesting though, that UCF has got to be a top three, four, five school when it comes to fluctuation with the new portal stuff. I think when you look at those numbers, I, we're definitely getting on the plus side from the P5 players, right? We've gotten more than seven P5 guys. And the guys that are leaving here, uh, some of them are going to FCS. And we're not really picking up any FCS guys. We picked up one, right? What was that recent uh, linebacker we just picked up? But if you look at the way it, it's kind of evening out, we're, we're supposed to be getting better players. But a lot of turnover in the roster in a short period of time. Uh, under yeah. Coach Gus Malzahn, right? Uh, so certainly opportunity for upgrade, and it's going to be interesting as we continue to evaluate uh, the transfers that come in. But it's interesting how uh, national media, like Mike Farrell, recognizing UCF as such a player in this. And, and you see the headlines, uh, you know, all the SEC publications uh, talking about this uh, wide receiver transfer. Anytime UCF does something uh, now, uh, you know, you're getting – uh, a lot of coverage, which is good for the brand. You saw the good reaction over the weekend to Bounce House weekend. Uh, a lot of recruits on campus uh, and uh, a lot of favorable things that they had to say about their experiences. Do you like the beach scene uh, that they uh, they shot all the photos with uh, of these uh, these kids? Yeah, we're, we're nowhere near the beach, so that was a tad confusing. But uh, look, I, I like that, I, again, that they find new ways to get creative and be interesting about certain, th- certain things, right? Uh, you know, our, our neighbors to the west have a like a, a, a shower curtain and, a, and a, like a, a welcome mat uh, that people are standing on, right? And we've got beach scenes and things like that. So I do think that it's it's fun. It's exciting. The, the kids seem to like it. You saw a lot of cool photos out there. A lot of guys kind of, you know, laying back in that chair and, and having a good time with it. So if it works for the recruits, it works for me. Uh, we're nowhere near the beach, though, but don't tell them that. <laughs> the Gators pulled out a beach background, too. And I don't really consider Gainesville to be one of the nicest beaches in Florida either. Uh, we're close enough. It's an hour to the beach. I think you could claim the beach. It's not like it's a five. You're not stuck in the middle of Nebraska. There's not a beach, you know, 10 states oh, that's away. Fair. So, that's fair. <laughs> I think you're recruiting the kids from Florida. A lot of them are from beach towns, you know, down from Miami, Fort Lauderdale, all along the coast. You want them to feel at home when they come here to Orlando. Elite Empire athletes produced a video uh, and they did a spaces the other night and they had a number of these kids that were in there and they were talking about the family atmosphere 
at UCF and the fun that they had all weekend long on the bounce house weekend from uh, Oreo eating competitions and things like that. They were having a lot of fun. So you can tell that UCF's putting a lot of energy into this and it just, it feels different, doesn't it, than what we were exposed to from a social media perspective or knowledge that we gained under Josh Heupel and, and that tenure. Uh, whoa, a step whoa, up in great. professionalism here. You're clearly forgetting the slip and slide that we had every year. <laughs> You're clearly forgetting the giant trash bag on the field and, and the softball. Game. I don't know where you've been. I don't know where you've been. Fake news. <laughs> Uh, nonetheless, a lot of good coverage uh, for Bounce House Weekend and uh, UCF in the portal. Uh, some other news, College Football Hall of Fame, a uh, number of UCF nominees uh, to be included in that. As some research being done just before the show, we've determined three of these four guys are in the UCF Athletics Hall of Fame. It'd be hard-pressed to think that the one who's not is going to make it into the College Football Hall of Fame, that being uh, place kicker punter Charlie Pierce. The others, wide receiver Bernard Ford, wide receiver David Rhodes, kicker Eddie O'Brien. They're all UCF Athletics uh, Hall of Famers now under consideration for the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, going up against the likes of the Tim Tebow's uh, of the world uh, may, be, uh, may be tough on the balloting. Some legendary names on this list, Bernard Ford and David Rhodes, were uh, uh, fantastic receivers for UCF. I know when we think about receivers at UCF, we think about Trey Quan, we think about Gabe, we think about Brandon Marshall even, Mike Sims Walker. But uh, Google Bernard Ford and David Rhodes. Check out their stats and check out the kind of offense that they were putting out back in those days too. Those are there are two names that are probably forgotten in a lot of UCF fans' uh, memory banks, but two really, really good players um, and uh, when you think about UCF receivers, these guys are probably criminally not mentioned in a lot of those top five lists that that some publications put out. <laughs> we just missed out on some of those guys. At Rhodes was only a few years before us. I wish there was a lot more footage of those games back then. I'd be able to watch some of that stuff. Yeah, you know, that that hurts them, right? That hurts that exposure and uh, and the knowledge of the fan base. And certainly UCF doesn't do a whole lot to embrace that era, really, right? Anything from that time frame, and it speaks to it that there's not video or, or you know, you don't see those those moments and capture the fans' imagination, which harkens back, Mike, to your, your big uh, March Madness tournament where you brought all those plays together and the difficulty in finding some of those older plays for consideration. Yeah, I found the Franco Grilla kick. I found uh, the noise penalty against Troy State. But there wasn't too much other stuff I could find from back then. A few Dante plays. I couldn't find any Bernard Ford stuff or David Rhodes things. Um, uh, Sean Beckton was the only other old guy that made the, the whole tournament. Of those four guys, have you had any of them on the pod? We have not. There's been communication with at least one of them on this list, but we have never really nailed down uh, an opportunity to have him on the show. So um, it, it similarly to uh, the challenge of finding um, – you know, videotape on, on some of these players. A lot of these uh, these folks also are, are not on social media, which is one of the more uh, popular ways to contact a lot of the, the folks that we have on the show. So uh, Bernard Ford not really trotting out an IG account right now. So tougher to, to, to track some of these guys down. We've got a couple of ins on a few, but we haven't nailed down any of these folks yet. But maybe this will reignite the the sons of UCF staff. I'm looking at them. There's nobody here uh, that will help uh, help book some of these uh, some of these fellows for future shows. In the list of uh, people being hired as a booker, uh, someone to book guests, is that on the list? Where is that in the priority, Mike? Yeah, it's lower. It's lower on the list. We have somebody to fix Mike's camera. That's our that's our first and our primary position. <laughs> fix Mike's camera, get the chipmunk noise out. So we need audio assistance in the greater Fort Lauderdale area. That is our, our, our chief hiring position right now. I thought you were in charge of booking Trace, and we're supposed to be a guy here six minutes ago. He's not here. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that. Thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> Aren't yeah. studying Just, the clock quite yeah. like that. Might yeah. not be here. Got another guest lined up. We do the best we can. I mean, what did you expect coming out of uh, Maddie and? Uh, Mackenzie, I expected Bernard Ford or David Rhodes. I mean, I figured perfect <laughs> synergy. And, you know, breaking, opening up door number one. Here's Bernard Ford. I figured that was a perfect segue. That uh, that might have been. Yeah. Um, Mike, what's your what's your total uh, guest booking account? <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, we're, gonna do, we're doing this uh, For this show, zero. No, just for in our, total. In totality. Policy, I think like six. And that might be generous. And you're counting George Larry twice? No, I only got him that one time. The second time was me. First time, wait a minute, did I get him the first time or the second? I think I got him the second time. No, I got, got the, the first, first one. one. Yeah. yeah, you got him the first time. Well, there's been a couple of combo platters here, Trace, because I'll, I'll sometimes I'll be tied up in something. And I'll go, hey, Mike, can you text this person or can you call this person and see if they can come on the show? And, and so Mike's handled some of the logistics 
I'll, I'll give him a hockey assist on those. I think I think those count. He's probably at seven and a hook. I guess right. would be the the all time count. Do I get credit for getting guys more than once? Because I've gotten Schneider like yes. three times, and I've gotten yeah. uh, Dexter, I think, at least two or three times. Yeah, no, Mike's Mike's got his, his his core group of, so just of one, the three two of us, hardcores. Yeah, let's put Mike in charge of the interviews for the guest Booker position because he he's booked a guy three times. He knows he knows, he knows what what's, yeah he knows what he's looking for. He's selective. Not, he's not just taking anybody. Not quite as much as Nick Patty or uh, you know, oh yeah, they're right there. How many do I get credit for? BJ Taylor, boom, boom, Stephen Bronco, like fifteen right there. Listen, there's there's a hidden part of the show every now and again where I text Mike. Hey, we have this person coming on this week. And the response I met back with is some form of who or what did he do or never heard of this guy. So there, there's a few of those two that come through. So you got to be Mike. Mike knows his audience. He knows what he needs. And if you send him a name that he's not happy with, he'll hit you back with a who's this guy. It happened. It's happened before. It happened the other week. Is there anything in the interviews that tips this when Mike says something like I've been following your career from the very beginning, but he was really one of those people that he didn't know? I don't know if he has a tell. Sometimes he just confesses. Like I've I've just seen a lot of your work, but you know, you, you look like your stats are. Sometimes he confesses. I think it depends on what mood he's in. Bring Charlie Pierce on, and I'll let you know how it goes. Because I never heard of that guy before today. <laughs> well, that'll get him on the show. You're listening right for there. some odd reason, uh, follow us on Twitter. Somebody we somebody listening to this or watching this knows Bernard Ford or knows you know David Rhodes, and probably Ooh. can get in touch with these guys and get them on. Are we offering up a hat for somebody who can bring us Bernard Ford? Or no, David you Rose? can't offer any more hats until you make okay. more. Ooh. They're already committed. <laughs> who's, who's your most famous UCF person you can get on the show? Let's make it a contest. Wow. I think Dan Cundiff has actually a really good a really good pitch for Mike if I can get it on the screen here. <laughs> hey, can you come on this pod to discuss you being on the coaching hot seat? <laughs> so, yeah, that's, a good, that's a good opening line, Mike. That's funny. That's funny. Which, by the way, Dawkins is on Cameo now. Yeah, boy, oh boy. And you and you want to say that we have resources for men's basketball. <laughs> Johnny Dawkins will wish your kid a happy birthday. What's he going? I haven't I didn't check. What's what's he going for? I think it's a hundred bucks for a message and it's seven hundred for corporate events. <laughs> hey, so, if, um if budget was everything, Southern Miss wouldn't be hosting a super regional oh, baseball, here we go. Right? and here we go and playing it from come conference USA or wherever conference they're still in. Look, I have we have Aubrey Dawkins' impression of his dad. I'll I'll cut I'll undercut the price three fifty. I'll send you that video clip right now. Corporations. When Coach Dawkins cut that uh, charge on tour spot for me, we haven't run that yet. I wonder what that would have cost me if he if he was doing that at that time. I was like a hundred bucks. Coach, can you say you you watch the Sons of UCF and then he does it? And he goes, you owe me fifty bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and then that like Adam, can you Venmo me money? I need I owe expense Coach account. Dawkins. Yeah, put it on the son's expense account. Don't worry about it. What would you What would you have done if he had said, "Is that the show that puts me in the hot seat?" <laughs> Who's this Mike guy? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't send him this year. <laughs> Fair enough. Blocked. Uh, question I asked on Twitter earlier this week: uh, Grade UCF's offensive line coming out of spring camp. Mike, what do you think? Sixty percent said B. Are you an A or a B? I'm not. I'm not entertaining these folks that say a C. A or B on this one? Uh, I mean, there were ups and downs all year. I, I, it can't be an A. It wasn't a perfect year. So oh, I, it's, I guess it's coming out of spring camp, going into this oh, next season, what we have right now. Whew. I mean, we got the big transfers, you know, Swoboda and all those guys. I haven't seen any of them play, so how, how can I give you a grade? Uh, I'm hoping for an A. Yeah, I'll go in the B camp, Trace, with three of five stars returning. Uh, two of the other returnees played significant minutes last year, right? Uh, Collins got in a bunch of time. Medley got a bunch of time last year. Three additions to the portal. Mike mentioned Swoboda, Grable, who are in the mix to be in that starting rotation. And we just we just inked a backup center from Georgia. Not sure how, how much he'll contribute. Matt Lee's the stud. We know that. Palouet's been playing pretty well. We know that. Sam Jackson's Swiss Army knife. He plays everywhere. It's really, can this group gel together? And I think that's what last year was about, to Mike's point. There were a lot of ups and downs. We forget that Matt Lee was out for a few games, and, and so the line had to shuffle at that point. Cole Schneider was the center at that, at that time. A new coach, new coaching staff, a new rhythm running backs behind me. They probably had to turn around and introduce themselves to the running backs. We had so many injuries back there. So you're, you're wondering if they get a year under their belt, but you bring in some new guys. Can they gel? I think a B is a fair assessment because I don't know if we've seen them at, at their peak yet. So if last year was where they are, um, I think that's the bar. So I, I think they're a B right now. But to, to Mike's point, the, the arrow has potential to point towards an A if it all comes together. 
You know, uh, Sam Jackson listed on Lindy's. I don't know what Lindy is. Second team, Athlon, third team. Can we just produce a list? Can we do a first team, second team, third team, put together a press release, push it out, do some social yeah. media on it? What makes our list of first teamers, second teamers, third teamers any different? It sounds like a fun else? summer project cool. for our new intern whenever we hire one. We got I'm sure big game, big game boomers <laughs> probably cooking one up right now. <laughs> he had Coach Malzahn in his top 10 best dressed coaches list out today. I saw that. I think that's direct reflection of the shoes uh, that he wore during Bounce House. We are. Is it FBC Mortgage Weekend? I wouldn't no, call it. It was still Bounce House Weekend. Okay. Uh, I think those, he had some LeBron uh, uh, South Beach Edition uh, uh, PEs on. I think those were nice. Uh, he wears those on the sideline? Uh, that's a great question. No, no sweater vest. Nah, he's, he's ditched that. Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook out with its AAC win totals. Cincinnati and Houston favored uh, the over-under on nine wins. UCF at eight and a half. Temple bringing up the rear two and a half cows at four and a half. I like the over on the eight and a half for UCF. Yeah, I think um, it's interesting. I, I'm curious how they came up with that. Obviously, you know, eight and a half means that they, they don't expect us to win nine would be the guess, right? I think you can easily find a way that you think UCF can win nine games. I think there's a lot of projections that'll tell you they're a nine plus win team. So this feels like an opportunity for some free college tuition for those of you out there who are, uh, who are so inclined responsibly, of course. Gus has already mentioned a couple of times running the table. So, I mean, you, you can see them slipping up once, twice, three times. If they, if they lose three times, you still win the bet. Four times. I, I didn't think we were going to lose four times last year, but I didn't see that Navy loss coming either. But um, we, we got the toughest games at home this year. This, the uh, schedule is in our favor, I think. So can we put a little of that NIL money we're not using on the over? Are we allowed to do that? How do Gar Gordon and partners feel about that? Are we allowed to <laughs> – I, I'll read the contract. I don't think there's anything in there. I'll have the intern. I mean, that may slash our our our, uh, our bully payroll from what eighteen to thirteen or something. But I think we can pull it off. Well, let's uh, talk a little college football with our next guest, Joe Broback. He returns to the Sons of UCF Live. We had him on last year. He's out with a three hundred and nine page preview of college football. He covers college football for Pro Football Network. Joe, welcome back in to Sons Live. Hey guys, thanks for having me. I don't know if you caught that. We were talking about the DraftKings odds, uh, nine wins over under for Cincinnati Houston, who you have in your guide ahead of UCF. Help us understand what you see. Let's start with the Cougars. Well, I think you look at Houston returns, you know, they return a lot of the talent that brought them to the conference championship last year. And that, you know, Clayton Tune is probably the biggest reason for that. <laughs> Along with Tank Dell, that passing attack is going to be fun to watch. Now, we, as we've seen uh, the last week, UCF also has added some uh, potential talent in their passing attack as well. But Houston's defense is also extremely talented. They've been able to take steps forward under Doug Belk, and they have an extremely explosive defensive line that's going to be a problem for a lot of teams. And I think they have an underrated secondary, even though they lost quite a bit of talent. They still have quite a few guys that are going to bring them probably back to that conference championship game. Cincinnati is, I think them and UCF, you have to kind of put maybe on the same level, obviously for ranking purposes. I had to pick one to be two, one to pick three. I just like the direction that Luke Fickle has this program going. I think that he's solid. Uh, and I think that when you're looking at, you know, the talent they're bringing in, there's a lot to be excited about, even with all of the losses they incur this year. The defense is still going to be loaded. The offense obviously has to find a quarterback, but with the recruiting that they've been doing and Luke Fickle still somehow at Cincinnati, it's kind of hard to count them out right now. Joe, obviously, kudos, first of all, on putting together 300-plus pages on, on college football. That, that's quite a, a tough task. Um, and so it's, I'm sure you have a lot of work to do, a lot of, a lot of research. So when you, when you research and you kind of you know, uh, uh, surmised around UCF, what did you see about UCF that you liked? And what did you see with UCF that kind of leaves you as a question mark? Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of research that goes into it, especially as I'm sure you guys know, the transfer portal is just this whole monster that causes a lot of changes and delays when you're writing a, a preview like this. Um, I think I just like that Gus is, has this program and going in a different direction than Josh Heupel's. Not necessarily, I mean, I'm not going to get into the debate of Heupel versus Melzahn. I just like the direction that Melzahn is bringing them. He's, you know, bringing guys in that fit his system, fit what he wants to do, fit his culture. And that's something that I really, really like. A guy that I'm really high on is John Rice Pumley. I think that he is going to be a star for UCF. He fits 
Gus Malzahn's system perfectly in terms of what you're looking for. And I just like the explosive talent that's returning, even with some of the losses that they've they've sustained. There's still a lot to like about this program. Now, the concerns obviously are going to be, you know, last year the offense wasn't as explosive, especially at the quarterback position. But that was to be expected, especially after Dylan Gabriel goes down. It's just a different look and it's going to be a different feel. What do they do to respond to that? They have the talent there. There's like there's no doubt we've seen what this team has been able to do. We've seen what the coaching staff has been able to bring in. And we know that they have the talent to do it. It's just, can they translate that to the field? Are they still a young team that's maybe relying on transfers to do a little, to, a little bit too much? Is it too early for them to re-arrive back in the AAC? I don't think so. I think that they should be competing for a conference championship, but I think that there are still some steps that need to be made before we can just assume that they're going to be at the top. You have Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF as three of the top four G5 teams coming into the year. What And we know they're the best teams in this conference. They're going to move to the Big 12. Where does that leave the AAC as a conference among the other G5 conferences? You know, when I first heard that, that Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston were going to leave, I was a little bit concerned. Might have been a little bit of an overreaction. But I think now that I sit back and actually look at what this conference looks like, I don't think that really was much of an overreaction at all. I think if anything, new teams will just rise at the top. I really like what SMU has been doing. You know, Sonny Dykes is gone, but I think Rhett Lashley is going to continue that success. Memphis, I think their fans maybe think they're a little bit better than they are right now, but I like what Ryan Silverfield is doing. USF under Jeff Scott, uh, I mean, UCF fans probably don't want to hear this, but I really like what he's doing in terms of bringing in talent and kind of changing the culture to rebuild USF to what it once was. I just don't see the quality at the top or maybe the depth overall with those three teams leaving. And I think that teams like SMU and Memphis are also trying to look to leave because the teams that they're going to bring in just aren't going to be good replacements for Houston, Cincinnati, UCF. They're just not at the level of those three teams. So I think it eventually will take a step back because those are three big losses. But there are still a couple of teams I think I like uh, that, that will remain. It's just a matter of are they going to stick around or are they going to try to leave as well? Who's a team we're not thinking much about that could surprise, cause some problems in the AAC this coming season? My pick, I think for the last three years, I've been uh, high on ECU. Probably That's probably my uh, biggest flaw is that I really like Holton Aylers, the, the quarterback for ECU. I think he has a really high ceiling, maybe the highest ceiling of anybody in this conference. But I also think that his floor is so low, which is an unfortunate roller coaster that Pirates fans have had to endure. If you look at two years ago, he threw for 535 yards and six touchdowns against Cincinnati. And this is, that was one of the best Cincinnati secondaries that we've ever seen in this conference. And I think that you have the talent with my Houston squad that, they can be a contender, but it just comes down to consistency. The defense has some holes that need to be filled, and consistency on that side of the ball has been a big issue. But Houston is a guy who's going to bring the talent in to kind of raise that floor, and it just comes down to how high can their ceiling be. So I think if you're looking at a team that could surprise mm-hmm. it at the top, it's ECU. And then I think you have to pick USF as another one. I, I just like, like I said, I like what Jeff Scott is doing. I like the talent he's bringing in, the culture that he's establishing, and he's doing more of a long-term build. Now he is bringing a lot of transfers in, but he's still getting talent at the high school level that's going to help them big build towards the long run. So I think that they probably won't be contending for a conference championship, but they can pull off a couple upsets maybe here and there. As part of your analysis, you also do essentially position reviews and you sort of rank the top players in each position. So I have a couple that I want to kind of call specifically that that kind of raised my eyebrow. <clears throat> number one, you had uh, Kamore Gamble uh, transfer from, from Florida as the number 19 tight end. What do you like about Kamore Gamble? Why do you think he's going to be such an impact for the Knights this year? I think his pass catching ability is probably what sets him apart. Uh, you know, I, I don't think we've seen the quality of play since Jordan Atkins left from UCF. And I think that Gamble brings that pass catching ability, that explosive playmaking ability to the passing attack. Now, they've added a ton of players that I'm excited about. Kobe Hudson is one I think UCF fans are really going to like paired up with Ryan O'Keefe. And obviously they just added Javon Baker. But Kamari Gamble is that tight end that 
He plays tight end, but he's a guy who can be extremely explosive as a pass catcher and almost kind of for, make you forget that he's a tight end because he plays almost like a receiver. His other name is Isaiah Bowser. You have him listed as your number 14 running back, but you also put him on the, the first team all AAC. So kind of a, two different rankings for him there. Where do, where do you see And is that, I guess, a function of maybe you, you want to see more consistency out of Bowser this year? Where are you at with Isaiah Bowser? Well, I think that when you look at running backs in college football this year, there's so many that it's really kind of hard to, you know, I don't think there's a big difference between number 14 at Isaiah Bowser and maybe number three or number four. You know, I don't think there's a big gap between those two. I think that just has to speak to the talent and the depth at the running back position in college football and the group <laughs> of five. You look at even Appalachian State with Cameron Peoples and Nate Noel, they, you know, those are two talented running backs. They're on the same team. I think the biggest thing is that Bowser also has Johnny Richardson. And then as UCF fans have reminded me, they have a ton of talent and depth behind them. So it comes down to really just touches. I think it's hard to put rankings. Obviously, Bowser is one of the most talented running backs in college football. It just comes down to is he going to get enough touches to show that he is that. I think that if you're looking from a purely evaluation of film standpoint, he definitely has what it takes to be one of the best. It's just going to come down to does is he going to get enough touches? I think in Malzahn's offense, he's going to, but it's just a matter of can he produce at the level that those other guys are going to that have the same talent as him. Cincinnati made history last year. They're making the college football playoff. Is there any G5 with their out-of-conference schedule? Can Houston, if they go all the run the table, UCF with their schedule, any chance they can make the playoff? And if not, is the winner of the American automatically the NY6 uh, team, or is there another school we need to look out for? Uh, honestly, I think that I tweeted this out earlier this week and, you know, Dana Holgerson made a statement that they're on track to do what Cincinnati did and make the college football playoff. When you look at their schedule, it's, uh, you know, a lot had to happen last year for Cincinnati to make the college football playoff. Now they did beat Notre Dame. That was a big win for them, but Houston doesn't have a Notre Dame on their schedule. They just, they just don't, you know, UTSA is not going to be the same. Texas tech is not a Notre Dame. Like they just don't have the same caliber of non-conference schedule to put them in the playoff. Even if a lot of things happen, I think more has to happen. If Houston's going to get in there, the only team that maybe could do it is San Diego state has kind of a tough schedule. Um, but really like when you look at teams that have like elite Utah state as Alabama, like that's not going to happen. So you know, at a certain point, you kind of have to be realistic and realize that there's probably not anybody that has both the schedule and the talent to run the table. Uh, in terms of who's going to win the NY6, I mean, it, it's pretty much been the AAC. It's been a, kind of a domination by that conference. I think the Mountain West is closer than people realize to the AAC. It's just that the AAC has been that good. Uh, I think it's going to be one of the Houston, Cincinnati, UCF. Uh, if you're looking at the Mountain West, People really like Boise State. I think they'll have a bounce back year. Uh, you know, Utah State was good last year. Can't really count a Blake Anderson team out. Uh, San Diego State is is tough. But again, that non-conference schedule is going to be kind of a, a rough one for them. So if they do run the table, then we have a serious conversation to have. But I don't really foresee that happening. Uh, I think that when you look at it, just the rest of the conferences, Appalachian State is another one you could look at. Coastal Carolina loses quite a few pieces, so I don't think that they're necessarily in there. The MAC just isn't as talented as either of those three conferences. And Conference USA, I mean, UTSA could be. I, I think that their saving grace with the MAC and Conference USA is that those conferences aren't as are talented as those other three. Uh, so maybe if those three conferences beat up on each other and then you have a UTSA that goes undefeated, then they'll sneak past one of those teams. Uh, but I think that as long as you have maybe a one or maybe a two loss team at worst in one of those three conferences, it's going to be probably the AAC and then Mountain West after that. As UCF fans well know, Navy is a tough game year in and year out. But you got to wonder now with the transfer portal era, NIL, this does not help a Navy or a service academy. There's got to be erosion for a program that is competitive year in and year out like Navy. Uh, yeah, I I think that the fact that they're running triple option is always going to be something that makes life difficult for anybody. Because 
when you face a triple option team, as any coaching staff will tell you, it's a different <clears throat> level of preparation. It's a different week for your team. And when you're, when you're forced to play with better discipline, uh, you have to do your responsibility. And yes, there's probably not the talent that's going to go to a Navy, but I guarantee you that nobody knew Keenan Reynolds name before he went to Navy. Uh, Will Worth, the quarterback that used to be there as well. Like you didn't know these names coming into the season. So, you know, they have taken a step back, but I think that when you're their advantage is that they play an offense that nobody really sees. And if you don't have a disciplined team, it doesn't really matter how talented you are because Navy can carve up anybody. Uh, and you look at triple option teams in general. I mean, just it feels like recently we were looking at Alabama struggling with triple option teams. You look at Florida lost to the swamp to Georgia Southern when they were running the triple option. So the triple option, no matter the talent gap or anything like that is going to be an advantage for that team. It's going to make life difficult for anybody facing them. So even though Navy's not getting the talent that a UCF, a Houston or Cincinnati is getting their advantage is that they run an offense that requires you to play at your best, no matter how good you are. All right, Joe, you do a lot of lists. You do a lot of rankings. Obviously, a lot of time goes into uh, into figuring this out. One ranking I did not see in your publication is the top NIL programs. And so we joke about NIL a lot, right? It's obviously been a thing. We saw Jimbo and Nick go back and forth. <laughs> we obviously, as fans, as, as people cover a team specifically, we probably have a much more emotional attachment. You get to see a much broader view of it, right? So when you're looking school to school, when you're looking across the landscape, can you see an impact that NIL has had as you're looking and evaluating from school to school, or is it simply just us as a small fan base and, and small fan bases just yelling into the wind? I think it's a little bit of both. I think when you look at, it's really kind of the wild West right now, it's more of a pay for play. Um, but I think that those people who are complaining about it right now don't realize that like, it's not going to be perfect. You don't just make a change and everybody's like, Oh yeah, this is great. This works that way. It just doesn't happen like that. So I think that you're looking at my biggest concern, I think, is that you're seeing the Alabamas. I mean, Texas A&M just had their best class ever, the best class in college football history, according to 24-7 sports. So I think that it's kind of um, a relative unknown right now. And I understand the frustrations for a smaller school um, compared to in Alabama, the Ohio State, those kind of schools, because they have more money. And I think a lot of people are seeing that the rich are getting richer, but there are ways to combat that. And I mean, in the end, it could be a good thing for the smaller schools because, you know, I think one of the complaints about the NFL is that you have these players making so much money that they just play for the money. And that tends to have different results or volatile results where you could be really good, but you also could get distracted. And maybe that creates some more parity in college football. That's something I'm very curious to see. Are the teams that are getting the most money, is that causing some rifts in the locker room? You know, are people envious that Bryce Young is getting millions of dollars when this incoming freshman who thinks that he's just as good isn't getting that money? How does that affect those players now that they actually can receive extra money? Because before it was everybody who's on a full ride gets the same thing. And now, yeah, you can say they were given money under the table, but at face value, you're seeing you go from everybody has the same thing to now everybody can see this person is here. This other person is below them and so on. So I'm curious to see how that affects uh, programs and, and this, you know, the coaching staffs that especially the head coaches that are getting a little bit older, are they just trying to save their career until they get to the end? You know, like Nick Saban can't coach forever. So he's obviously embracing what he can, but is he just headed out because he doesn't know how he's going to handle that? And does that mean that a door is open for a new kind of coach, like maybe a Luke Fickle or even Gus Malzahn to kind of step in and say, hey, if you guys want to embrace this new future for college football, you need to come to our program. We're going to help you get to where you need to go. Uh, and does that change, like I said, the parity and who's going to be really good at the top of college football? We lost Mike. I did right. lose Mike, yeah. I did lose Mike. Joe, how long does it take you to put this together? Is this just ongoing from when the season ends? 309 pages. I mean, this is a labor of love here. 
You don't you don't believe I do it in 24 hours? I do not. <laughs> oh man, I wish. No, so I think the hardest part is uh I so I don't know, maybe this is just how much I love college football, or maybe I got bored last year, but I started this in November, which is the earliest that I started it. But obviously, uh, you know, it takes quite a bit of time to get the layout. Uh, I like to change things up. I don't like to use the same design uh, in terms of, you know, I like to kind of change it up. I don't want to get set in my ways and do the same format over and over. Now I do have, you know, I do depth charts and, and writings that I, I do or rankings and lists that are the same, but I try to switch things up a little bit. So it starts with about a month or two of kind of trying to decide what the layout's going to look out like. And obviously that I'm paying attention to games from 2021. And then once the season ends, taking a look at the transfer portal, which is, you know, a five month process. I mean, there is, you'll, even if you look in this guide, there are some, some names that aren't on the team uh, because they hit the transfer portal or they added some guys that I haven't updated um, with my limited resources, but you know, it's an ongoing process for the transfer portal, but some guys you pretty much know, like who's going to start. Uh, Bryce Young was probably the easiest one to pick. Uh, with UCF, it was a little tougher because I, you know, I thought Mikey Keene was going to be the guy and then they add Plumlee. And, you know, so I think it's a, a about a six, seven month process to get this all finalized. And then at a certain point, I just have to make a cutoff and get it ready to publish. Um, so it's, it's quite a process, but honestly, it doesn't feel like it to me because I love doing it so much. Uh, and it's just fun to see the response of people who are just as excited for college football as I am. And tell folks where they can find it again. Three hundred nine pages, all free. Yeah, you can uh, you can go to my Twitter page. That's at Joe Broback. Uh, it's the pin tweet, so you really can't miss it. Uh, there's a there's a Power Five cover and there's a Group of Five cover for those who are interested. Uh, and so you can click on whatever one. It's the same thing. The cover is just different, but uh, yeah, head over to Twitter is where you're going to find that. Joe Broback, we appreciate you stopping by Suns Live, and thanks for all the good work you do in putting together that guide. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. All right. Thank you, Joe. All right, guys, what do you think? He's got Houston, Cincinnati. I think there's some question marks there for Cincinnati, a quarterback. And, of course, they got to come to the bounce house this year. Oh, I'm sorry. What is it? RBC. FBC, Trace, would you get together? Here's what's interesting, though. When you, when you go into his rankings, and I didn't get a chance to ask him this, He it looks like I think it's him projecting out the wins. He projects Houston at eight and a half wins, UCF at 9.4, Cincinnati at 9.7. Yeah, he has Houston above UCF, so I'm not sure if that's just a statistical anomaly or, or or what that what that looks like there. We know Houston has an easy schedule. I think that's obviously got to be a play a big factor in this. Is, is their schedule uh, for the second straight year that they, they dodge a lot of the tougher teams on, on the top end of the conference? That has to play a factor where UCF and Cincinnati have a chance to cannibalize each other. Houston doesn't have to face that fate. Yeah, Houston's got the easiest at a conference schedule I've ever seen too. So they may be undefeated all the way to the championship game. We need to take care of business at home against Cincinnati. That's going to be a huge game. And obviously we can't slip up against SMU or Navy again. Got to win them all, Mike. Yeah. Basically in conference, you basically have to win them all or you maybe you can afford one loss. If it's to the right team to get into the championship game. Uh, let's go around the kingdom before we open up the mailbag track and field. Good luck. We've got seven nights and an alternate NCAA outdoor championships in Eugene, Oregon over the next couple of days. Good luck to the ladies softball, several notes for them. By the way, Texas leading Oklahoma so far in this uh, college World Series, you got to say UCF has could have fared better than these other teams. I mean, Texas gave up 16 runs last night. I would have liked the Knights uh, against Oklahoma here. National Fast Pitch Coaches Association, coaching staff of the year, no doubt there, UCF. Uh, softball will be returning to the Clearwater Invitational in 2023. 15 of the 16 teams in last year's field made it into the NCAA tournament. And as you heard from the Knights, it was a big test of strength for them. They learned a lot about themselves and the team during that competition in Clearwater. And uh, pitch, pitcher Gianna Mancha, uh, she has inked with Smash It Sports, Vipers of Women's Professional Fast Pitch. So she's turned pro. And uh, we wrap up with baseball catcher Andrew Sundin, freshman All-American by Collegiate baseball. I don't know what the Knights would have been offensively without him. Uh, he really was a surprise this season. All right. Mailbag time. We got a, it's, I don't know if we call this a walk and talk, but uh, there's always room for JP Gilbert in any of our shows. Sons of UCF, how we doing? Got a nice little uh, walk and talk here from unfortunately gloomy Miami, Florida. Here's my question. 
who on this UCF roster, which transfer, will be a guy, a transfer guy? I asked JP, what do you mean by that? Great question. I'm glad you asked. Brett Hodges, transfer guy. Brandon Johnson, transfer guy. Trey Nixon, transfer star, too good. Someone like Mike Hughes, transfer superstar, too good. Looking for the guy on this roster. Is it going to be the Alabama kid? Is it going to be KD McDaniel? Who's going to be a transfer guy? Go sit your nuts. I would just say one thing. Mike Hughes became a superstar, but when he arrived, nobody thought that he would be a superstar, right? Is that the first ever walk and talk that included his own Q&A, by the way? Uh, it's an interesting question because what he's basically saying is who's going to be a, a, a sort of a role player, a, a glue guy, for lack of better words. He said one name I think is interesting, Katie McDaniel. The two other, well, So here's the other problem. Offensive linemen are tough to evaluate, right? Because they're not going to get a lot of stats, but they're obviously, hopefully, if either Grable or Swoboda play, they're going to be important. I'm going to give two other names. We talked about Kamor Gamble. Uh, so he's an option as a guy. And give me Kobe Perry. As uh, somebody maybe steps up in the secondary, makes a couple plays, maybe plays a little bit of that that nickel slot position. Uh, so give me Kobe Perry or uh, or Kamor Gamble as the guy. I was going to go with Gamble myself. I don't think he's going to have a thousand yards receiving, but he's going to be that guy in the middle of the field in the end zone, right in in the red zone area where, if, if Jay, especially if Plumlee is the quarterback, I think he's going to be looking to the tight end a lot. So I think he could be the guy to make some big time plays, not be a superstar, but he's going to be there when we need. Him. So John Rice Plumley's disqualified, right? He comes in already as a superstar. He doesn't meet the. If he plays well, yeah, he'll end up being a star slash superstar, right? He's not going to be a guy who just you know goes seven to ten every game and kind of you know manages the offense. Yeah, I'm that's going only, with Plumley would Ryan be the guy. Yeah, Plumley would be only the guy if Keen is the starter, but he, he had a nice package in there for him, and he can come in for a drive or two Maybe. a game. <laughs> Ryan Swoboda. That's who I've got. We got any music for the rest of these questions? It's coming up. Last week's are we, music are was we a testing it? What was last week's no. music? We, we went daydreaming last week. We're going to go back to no. the rock. That's who we are. Stick to our How many choices are there? Um, I've got acoustic, cinematic, dance, pop, daydreaming, feeding the ducks, into space, low feeding feet, or ducks. not driving. You want to feed the ducks? Yeah. I'd All like right, to go. I think there's a duck question later. <laughs> Hell there's yeah. There's a duck question later. All right, we've set the vibe here for this. All right, at Nightfan94, over under a number of commits we see out of these bounce house weekends and how soon? Uh, that's a good one. Over under a number. Three. Um, here's that's the thing. Low, it's that's a low number. Jeez. Yeah, it's really early in the summer. And I, I think a lot of these kids now are taking all their trips or going all these places. I think there'll be a handful that are going to see it, love it, and commit on the spot. But let's not forget, too, we're also in the mix for some four or five star guys. The three-star players, the three-star guys, I think you have a better chance of getting them to commit on the spot. Mike and I talked to somebody recently, basically said, hey, I got an offer from UCF, and I took it because I wasn't sure I was going anywhere else. So I got that offer. It was in hand. That's where I was going. So I think there are some players that in that four- or five-star range are going to go to all these camps, going to go to all these places, take their visits. So I don't know if you got many commits just because of the caliber of players we get. So I'm going to go low at three. All the guys that we had here last week, and not even all of them are seniors, so a lot of them still have a couple years to make that decision. Yeah, some people commit early, but you may not hear from these guys until next year and say, oh, he was at Bounce House Weekend last year. I think we actually got to commit from somebody from last year's Bounce House Weekend. Is this a xylophone in here or a triangle? It might be. It might be. Yeah. Do you want to switch? I can change up before we get to the next question. Yeah, let's, let's switch it up. Go back to our roots? All right. I still like that. Back one. to our roots. Back to roots. A um, couple of TV-related questions at Robert MMIII. What do you think of the, the new Big 12 TV contract will be? And uh, what do you think UCF's portion of it will be? And then at Brian Huey, H-U-I-E, uh, Big 12 just reported their financial distribution. Does UCF get a full share their first year as a member? They're not going to get a full share. And yeah. this TV contract, I mean, it's going to be substantially more than what UCF's getting in the AAC, but it, with the loss of Texas and Oklahoma, it's it's not going to be what they just distributed in the mid-40s. Uh, so maybe... See what I got here, Trace? 
nope. research. 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 Research has been conducted. Here's Mike, what I got for you. Like, where's your napkin with the research? <laughs> research has been conducted. Here's what I know. TCU. Ooh, when they went to the Big 12. He's a clipboard guy. Uh, well, he's got you. It's on his lap. He's got nothing else there. Uh, TCU, when they went to the Big 12, their their shares were first 50%, 67 85 Year four, they got the full 100 uh, so Big 12 just announced their shares, $46 million to the schools. Yeah, so even if that's the number for UCF, and it won't be at 46, half of $46 million is still triple what we end up getting from the Americans. So either way, UCF nets out good on the deal. In terms of the contract, here's what's interesting. Uh, there, there is obviously a, a grant of rights when Oklahoma and Texas leave. It can be renegotiated. There's some there's some um, thought that it will be. It currently is at 28 mil, obviously 46, a little bit above 28 for you math majors out there. Bowlesby himself, the commissioner, has said that he expects at least the potential of a 50% slice off of that contract. Now, there's some other literature out there that says that the Big 12 performed better and there's opportunities here and then yada, 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 yada. So I think we all have to brace ourselves for the fact that it's going to be lower than probably what we expected it to be going in, but it'll be more than what we're getting today. So more of less is better than less of nothing. Right you know, when was this original deal signed? That was 40 plus million 10 years ago when they made this. I think we're going to be, I would, we should be close. The problem is the SEC and the Big Ten are going to be making 110 million per school and compared to our 40 that we're stuck with. Yeah, you bring up an interesting point. The way the contracts have escalated, uh, maybe, maybe it will be higher than we anticipate just because the others will be significantly in this landscape. Well, this is where Trace, this is where that streaming stuff comes into play, right? We we see it with NFL where Amazon is now all in on the NFL package. The Direct TV Sunday ticket package is up and will be going to a new bidder. There's a lot of streaming services there. So do the streamers get into the game? And if so, and the Big 12 makes itself available to become an Amazon exclusive or an Apple exclusive, maybe there's additional dollars that are there for that. I don't know how fans are gonna feel about that. But there may be additional dollars because they want to get in the game so badly. Can't get in the game maybe with SEC because they're locked up. Big Ten, they're locked up. So maybe they start looking around to figure out is anybody else available. So get your Amazon Prime services. Just just keep it ready just in case you need it. I got passwords oh, for you, Mike, if you need. It doesn't need to go on Apple. That's one I don't have. I don't want to add that one. I don't okay, well, that one. Let, me, let me call Bowlesby and just see what he's doing. <laughs> let him know. Either Actually, you he have won't be Apple making TV? this decision, by the way. I do not know. But Bowlesby may not be making this decision. Don't forget, he's... He's stepping down, so it's unclear who's even making these decisions, who's making this call. What if they hired Mike Oresco? Mm. At armored underscore up. What do you think of Houston as the primary rival for UCF in the Big 12? Certainly the space connections are interesting. Um, I think it's still got to be organic. I know there was some talk in that thread about that, that Cincinnati and West Virginia will be the natural rivals geographically and still leaves us kind of out on a natural geographic run. And we've had some history with Houston. We've had a couple of nice games back in the day, right, in the in the early 10s. Um, so we, we've had some history with Houston. Obviously, it's been a school that we played a bunch. I wouldn't mind if they became the rival, but to your point, Trace, it has to be natural, right? It has to be, to Mike's point earlier, you know, an undefeated Houston faces a one-loss UCS in the AAC championship this year. And then the Big 12 next year, we're battling out for some sort of conference, whatever that might be, or, or – or side of the bracket. So I think it has to be organic, but I think Houston, if they can stay on this run, if they're as good as Joe Broback thinks they're going to be, they, they absolutely could be somebody that's in our way as a rival standpoint. We don't, we have a lot of history with Houston. I'm going to give you right now, top five games we've had against oh Houston. Gosh. How's that? Wow. <laughs> wow. Number, 10, two, uh, number five, 2010. That was the game where Bruce Miller, you know, got the interception for touchdown. Godfrey had a big night. It was a Friday night game. I think we blew him out like 40 something on the road. Number four, 2005 in the Citrus Bowl to clinch a bowl berth. Um, the place was rocking that night, and that was coming off the winless season. Number three, you've got the goal line stand in 2013. That was, that was a very close game. Number two, the Brandon Alexander game at the goal line to save us. And number one, in 2009, our first ever win against ranked team. That's number one, yeah. 2009. That, to me, that is not as memorable as some of the other ones you mentioned. but. It's back in an era That's because you, before people you, you're were paying attention. You're getting old. You can't remember that far back. Oh, it's too... <laughs> all right. Let's move on. And not to mention this year's championship game when we see Houston again. So it's going to be. I kind of want to talk about this actually on screen, but I don't know, I don't know if we have enough time. <laughs> <laughs> we have enough time to get into that. Can you drop the uh, StreamYard link to Lonely Bumblebee <laughs> and invite him on to explain the story? Uh, uh, Robert, two letters, two words. He's, he's asking about Oresco not allowing 
uh, exiting teams to host championship. What happens though if the AAC championship game uh, involves uh, two teams leaving the conference? But we saw Cincinnati hosted. Uh, they 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 they're not going to change that, right? For football, I think he's talking about softball got removed uh, from UCF and put at ECU, but not for football. They're not going to. I don't think they're going to make a change there. Uh, the aforementioned lonely B UCF. Um, who uh, should we hire to replace Coach Bear? Uh, Eric Lopez. Ooh. She's uh, she certainly got some leverage, right, uh, with some of the openings. But uh, as I understand it, and speaking with Eric Lopez, she's been having conversations with uh, Terry Mahajer, you know, season breakdown kind of stuff, and and hopefully that's a positive development in keeping her at but UCF. Go with me for a second. Eric Lopez calls the game from the dugout. We've never seen this in college sports. We want to be the future of college athletics. Eric Lopez, one of those mics on third base. And there's a hit by, and he's just going bananas, trying to <laughs> wave the runner in, also get the pitch count right. It'll be fantastic, Peter. I'm all in for it, Elo. But we, every time there's an opening in football, we always say, well, who's a former player? Is there a former UCF softball player that's a coach out there somewhere that would be next in line? That's a good ELO question. He's probably watching Oklahoma and Texas now. Stephanie Best, of course, UCF Athletics Hall of Famer. She uh, has uh, facilities and does coaching and stuff. So I don't know. Jada Cody, player coach. Uh, uh. Let's uh, wrap up with uh, Tara, ad hoc underscore lover, L-O-V-R. Thursday, National Donald Duck Day because UCF is Orlando's hometown team right near the beach, as we saw during Bounce House Weekend. <laughs> what is your favorite Disney character? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Mike's gonna make a duck joke about a towel, so I'll leave this one, I'll leave that one to him. <laughs> I, I, went through, I found this, I found a top 50 list of Disney characters. I went through this thing painstakingly. I got a- You gonna read all down. 50 now? I have not. Number one, was the, number one was the genie. Uh, so I, I, from that list, I picked out Jiminy Cricket. Jiminy Cricket's mine, I think. Yeah. Ah, what? <laughs> what oh, you said it first, so Jimmy I don't get it. Unbelievable. How about the character based on me, Gaston from uh, Beauty and the Beast? <laughs> there and, we go. <laughs> and Donald Duck Day. Donald Duck's not even a top five duck. You want me to give you the top five ducks? <laughs> Please. <laughs> I do now. <laughs> Number five, Duck of Orange. That's delicious. If you guys somebody to cook it right, my, my wife does a great job. Number four, Scrooge McDuck. Got all the money. We need him to sign some NIL deals. Mm. Uh, number three, the Aflac Duck. Mm. Gilbert Godfrey voice. I mean, that, that's classic. Rest in peace. Number two, peace. Daffy Duck. Daffy Duck, way better than Donald Duck. I always love Daffy and Bugs and their antics better. And number one, the Homecoming Spirit Splash Rubber Duck that they throw out. And, you know, I, know, I don't even have one of those. They did that after we graduated. So this is what happens when you guys don't do a show. We get two top five lists. Uh, during Suns Live. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah, I don't have Sounders prepared for this. I imagine he's got one more, Trace. Don't tempt him, because I'm sure there's something else on that paper <laughs> that he has written down. So I wouldn't tempt him if I were you. Uh, what the duck, Mike? What the duck? <laughs> uh, see what you're I'm out. I, I'm out of list. I'm out of duck jokes. You're out of material. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, outside looking in, Howard the Duck? That was not a good movie, though. That's I don't remember it. But... Wow. Uh, that, that was not good. That was not good. Uh, I want to thank Joe Broback. Remember, you can go on his Twitter page at Joe Broback, pinned at the top, 309 pages. It's in a PDF form. Good information. Prep you for the upcoming AAC season. AAC season. Give you all that you need to know about Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF's other opponents in conference. Guys, good seeing you again. Uh, Adam, welcome back from vacation, all in one piece. And look forward to you guys being back uh, in your regular time slot, your show coming up. Any guest preview? Mike, what are you working on? <laughs> I got a couple guys lined up. I got sent out a couple messages this morning. Well, well, as we now know, Charlie Pierce, <laughs> Eddie O'Brien, <laughs> Bernard Ford, David Rhodes. Uh, actually, I'd love to hear uh, from all four of those guys. So they would, uh, they'd be good guests. Great. Thanks, Trace. Griffin, book them anytime. anytime you, gonna, if you can find wait, David you, Rhodes' Facebook page, <laughs> let me let me know. Are you going to the uh, big mission control event? There's going to be a lot of guys you can book there. Oh. Uh, Adam, you were talking about that, weren't you? Yeah, still thinking about that one. I got a week to decide if, uh, if I'm going to do that or not. Still, still thinking through. I guess I saw tickets were dwindling, though, so I'm not sure if my window is closed yeah. or not. They're running out of tickets. 20. But, I mean, come on. Look, we're VIPs, guys, right? You can get a press pass. You would think. You, you, would, you would think. Get in yeah. free. Trace, your thoughts? 
I have a work meeting at 4.30 that day that I'm trying to figure out how to get out of a 4.30 on a Friday. Mm. That's so, criminal. Yeah. yeah. I want somebody to run up on charges for that nonsense. You don't do yeah. that. Not, not too happy about it, seeing what I can do about that. need to be handed down. All right, guys. Been fun passing the time with the both of you and all of you watching. Uh, for Adam and Mike, I'm Trace Trollco. Go Knights! Quack. <laughs> Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Podcast Network. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.